Every story in scripture awaits a response. I'm Warren Berkeley with the Laurel Heights Church of Christ in McAllen, Texas. And this is the fourth class in a series designed to cover the 17 periods of Bible history. Class number one, the beginning up to the flood. Class number two, the flood and the aftermath. Class number three, concerning the Tower of Babel. So we are moving through the Bible in time or sequence, 17 periods of Bible history, taking us through the Word of God. We always take these classes to practical applications, either during the class or near the end. We're going to begin this class doing some reading from Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 9. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem to the oak of Mori. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country on the east side of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west, and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed, journeyed on, still going toward the Negev. What if you were told suddenly, pick up everything, get your family ready and move out. Destination unknown, no details the reason and the future not fully told. Everything you own is to be gathered up, and you're moving out. Destination unknown, no agenda. Given that hypothetical, most of us would have several questions. Who is telling us to move? Why are we being told to move out? Where are we going? What is this all about? Abram, as he was called at this time, only knew one of the answers. Look at the first verse in Genesis 12. The Lord said to Abram. So that's the answer he had, and that was sufficient. That changes the picture. This was God, the creator, telling Abram, one of his creatures, to move out. There's something else here in Genesis 12. From God, there were promises. 
Abram did not have a detailed agenda, but he had some promises, and the promises were from God. He may not have understood the full content of these promises, but again, this was God telling Abram what to do. I'll talk about those promises in a moment. Here's where I want to start. Please observe in this passage we've read Abram's response to God's command. I want to read from Genesis 12 again, and in this reading, I will emphasize certain words and phrases that tell us something about the character of this man. Listen, please, to some of this from Genesis 12. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house. Now, look down through the passage. Verse 4, Abram went as the Lord had told him. Verse 5, Abram took Sarah and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions and the people they had acquired. And it says they set out to go to the land of Canaan. Then look down further in verse 7, he built there an altar to the Lord. Verse 8, he moved. And then again, he built an altar to the Lord at the end of verse 8. And called upon the name of the Lord, and Abram journeyed on, still going toward the Negeb. What is this? This is obedience. This is activity, the activity of faith in God. God said, move, and Abram moved. And in the journey, he worshiped God. So we haven't even studied the promises yet, but isn't it clear the writer gives us a vivid picture of Abram's faith. Abram, later called Abraham, is introduced to us as a man who believed God even when that belief required tremendous sacrifices. Now, the promises. The land promise captured by the phrase, a land that I will show you. The national promise, a great nation. The spiritual promise, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, in order to study this and understand it, in order to put this passage to good practical use, what we need to do for the next few minutes, we need to follow these three promises toward the documented points of fulfillment. Let me say that again. We need to follow these three promises toward the documented points of fulfillment. Uh, we must not just read the promises and forget them and go on as if they were just personal between God and Abraham. They form the substance of Old Testament history into the new. In reading the Old Testament, when you come to a prophecy or a promise, just keep reading toward the points of fulfillment. If we neglect that, there will be holes in our Bible knowledge. So we have three promises to track. The land promise, a land that I will show you. The national promise, a great nation. And the spiritual promise, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Let's start with the land promise. God called Abram out of his homeland to a land that I will show you, God said. 
That's Genesis 12.1. Also in Genesis 12, look down at verse 7, where the Lord appeared to Abram and said to your descendants, I will give this land. So a land would be given to the descendants of Abraham. That takes us up through Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph and his 12 sons. That's the essence of the promise. Now, before going any further, when you read about this promise of land to the descendants of Abram or Abraham, one thing immediately comes to mind. If, if you read the Bible, and if you know something about the history of the Old Testament, one thing comes to mind. When you come to this promise of land, the children of Israel entered into the land of Canaan. If that's what you think this is about, you are right. And you didn't just imagine that. You read that. I have listed passages on this chart, and I would like for you to confirm. I can't read all of this. I'd like for you to confirm that the promise of land to the descendants of Abraham was fulfilled when God gave them the promise land, the land of Canaan. Exodus 6, 2 through 8. This is what God said to Moses, the leader of the Israelite nation. Exodus 6, 2 through 8. God said to Moses about Abraham and his descendants, I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan. Now, at the time God said this to Moses, they were not there yet, but this statement adds testimony and confirmation that the land promise to Abraham's descendants has to do with the Israelite nation entering the promised land, the land of Canaan. Likewise, in Deuteronomy 1, verses 6 through 8, Moses is speaking to the nation of Israel in the land of Moab, east of the Jordan, and I want you to listen to some of this. In Deuteronomy 1, 6 through 8, Moses says, The Lord our God said to us in Horeb, You have stayed long enough at this mountain, Turn and take your journey and go to the hill country of the Amorites and to all their neighbors in the Arabah, in the hill country and in the lowland and in the Negev and by the seacoast, the land of the Canaanites and Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates. See, I have set the land before you. Go in and take possession of the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and to give them and to their offspring after them. Add these passages, Joshua 1, 1 through 6, Acts 7, 44 to 46, and one of the historical Psalms, Psalms 105. Conclusion, God did what he said. He said this land would be given to the descendants of Abraham. The Bible says God did this. He fulfilled that promise. Joshua said, Joshua said, 
Obviously, Joshua believed this just before his death. He said to the people, not one thing has failed of all the good things which the Lord your God spoke concerning you. That's Joshua 23 and verse 15. Consider now the second promise. And I believe we understand God fulfilled the second promise when he formed a nation from the descendants of Abraham. I can read from Psalms 105 about this, where there is reference to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Israel. We often refer to these men as the patriarchs. The Bible tells us the Jewish nation was formed from this family, from these men. I have several passages listed here. Before leaving Genesis, there are other statements which help identify the fulfillment of the national part of the promise. Genesis 46, 3, God spoke to Israel, the man also called Jacob. I am God, the God of your father. Do not fear to go down to Egypt, for I will make of you a nation there. This was what God said to Abraham's grandson, Jacob, called Israel after Genesis 32, and the descendants of Abraham were called Israel, the children of Israel, Israelites who went down to Egypt as the family of Joseph, but came out a great nation. Exodus 1, 7, but the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly and grew exceedingly mightily, and the land was filled with them. Deuteronomy, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 1, Moses is addressing the nation of Israel. East of the Jordan with these words, Behold, I have set the land before you. Go in and possess the land, which the Lord swear unto your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give unto them and to their seed after them. See, this is just all so clear. Already in Genesis, Exodus, and Deuteronomy, there are these statements leaving no doubt. When God formed the Jewish nation, he was fulfilling his promise to Abraham, multiplying his seed into a great nation. Read of this also in Hebrews 11, 11 and 12. God formed a nation out of the descendants of Abraham through Isaac and gave them the land of Canaan in the days of Joshua. This is the fulfillment of two of the promises God made to Abraham, the land promise and the national promise. I know we have one more promise and we will get to that in a moment. First, there's something else that must be known, that must be said. When we talk about God forming a nation from the descendants of Abraham and giving them the land, there's something else to be considered here. God told this nation, God told his people if they sinned, they would be driven out of the land he had given to them. 
You can read about that in Leviticus 26, 27 through 39 and Deuteronomy 30, verses 17 through 20. So let's put this all together. God promised Abram, Abraham, a great nation would be formed from his descendants and they would be given the land of Canaan. But God said clearly, sin would result in their being driven from the land. And Bible students know that's exactly what happened. The Israelites sinned grievously. And although Jehovah was patient and long-suffering with them, he eventually did what he said. The northern kingdom of Israel was carried away into Assyrian captivity. We'll talk about that later. The southern kingdom of Judah was carried away into Babylonian captivity in about four stages of expulsions. God said this captivity would last 70 years. Then only a remnant would be restored to the land, not the whole nation. So all of that's going to come together later in our studies of 17 periods of Bible history. Now, back to the promises to Abraham revealed in Genesis 12. We know about the fulfillment of two of those promises. God formed a nation from the offspring of Abraham. The nation was Israel, the Jewish nation. The land was promised, or the people were promised, a land to occupy, and that was fulfilled when they came into the land of Canaan under Joshua. We have one more promise. One more promise. God said to Abram, Abraham, in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So we studied in Genesis 12, and we made reference to Abraham and his family. We made reference to the nation and the nation being given a land. But now in the third promise, the statement is not confined to the immediate single family of Abraham and his descendants or the nation formed from them, but all, all the families of the earth. Now, what did God do that held opportunity for all? What did God do? What offer, what gift eventually came that is available to all the families of the earth? This is about Christ. This is about Christ. I want you to listen, please, over in the book of Acts in chapter 3. In the book of Acts in chapter 3, verses 24 through 26. Yes, and all the prophets from Samuel and those who follow, as many as have spoken, have also foretold these days. You are sons of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, this is Peter preaching, saying to Abraham, in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. To you first, God, having raised up his servant, Jesus, sent him to bless you in turning away every one of you from your iniquities. 
And then you move over to Galatians chapter 3. And you can start in Galatians 3 at verse 7 and read over through verse 28 where Paul develops this. Paul says, In you all the nations shall be blessed. Paul is connecting Christ with the promise that God made to Abraham concerning all the families of the earth. Isn't it clear? God fulfilled the third promise when he sent Jesus Christ to die for the sins of the world. Today, anybody can respond to the good news of Christ and be saved. The gospel is God's offer of salvation in Christ to all the families of the earth. Whoever you are, whatever your bloodline or national origin, you can hear, believe, and obey the gospel and thus become a participant in the spiritual promise God made to Abraham. All three promises to Abraham in Genesis 12, we need to mark fulfilled. God formed a nation from his offspring, gave them the land of Canaan. Then Christ came and Paul said in Galatians 3, 26 to 28, he said to Christians, for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. The question may come up, does God have a nation today? Does God have a nation today? He does. Peter wrote this in 1 Peter 2 and verse 9. 1 Peter 2 and verse 9. But you are a chosen generation. This is Peter to Christians. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So we've studied from Genesis, and we've been looking at promises made to Abraham, fulfilled through the providential hand and rule of God through his descendants to form a nation and give them a land and eventually bring for the benefit of all nations, Jesus Christ. I hope you're going to stay with us as we continue to go through the 17 periods of Bible history. Here's where it's going to come, who Jesus is, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, how to respond to him, the book of Acts, how to live daily as a Christian in the epistles, all about preachers and elders, more about what Christians need to know, and victory in Jesus Christ. 
Next time, we'll talk about the exodus as this nation is formed and they make their way over toward the promised land of Canaan. And eventually, Christ comes to whom you can respond and become a Christian. Thank you for being with us.